0: This is Coda Radio, episode 363, for June 24th, 2019. And welcome to Coda Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show that takes a pragmatic look, well, at least most of the time, at the art and business of software development and related technologies. My name is Wes, and I'm joined by our very best co host, Mr. Michael Dominic. Welcome back, Mike. Hello, hello. Now, we're lucky enough to be joined by one other troublesome fellow today, Mr. Chris Fisher. Hi, Chris. <laughs> here comes trouble that's right that's what they
1: always said every IT job I ever went to when I'd walk up with another guy if it's just me they wouldn't say that but two of you here comes trouble well you
0: know you got a you got a buddy a schemer someone to help
1: somebody I know somebody else has had that problem out in IT shout out at Chris Elias yeah well when I heard you guys were talking about the art and business again at least one of your topics was the art and business of software development those are always my favorite. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's it's deep because I love all the tech stuff. I really do, and we're going to start with a little of that today. But you know, you got to do this for a living, and it, you gotta, it gets wrapped up in how you live your life, and that kind of that kind of matters a lot. You only got one. A lot of
1: things, Mike and I talk about off air is more like the how do you keep at it kind of aspect, and that's something we've brought into the show over the years. And um, yeah, I wanted to contribute to that conversation because it's something that. Even, even as things have changed here for us as we've become part of Linux Academy, um, my roles have changed, my work has changed, and that's had strange and different and unexpected impacts on me, and I'm just kind of getting to the other side of it, and I've learned some things and some lessons that I thought I already knew, but...
0: yeah, to learn them again sometimes.
1: Yeah. Anyway, so when we get there, I'm excited to talk about it. But I know we have a lot of things to talk about today, not just that. Thanks for letting me be here.
2: Oh, yeah, of course. How are you doing today, Mike? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm lo- looking forward to our menage a trois once again. <laughs> Did you load the new macOS uh, Catalina beta? No, because I'm not insane. <laughs> now, I got no intentions.
1: No intentions of doing that. This is going to be the most interesting in terms of impact just because of uh, the 64-bit transition Ready? and the read-only system stuff. So I, I, am, I am
0: fascinated uh, from an observer standpoint. It's interesting to watch them develop that operating system now that, you know, we were kind of questioning for a while how much how much work are they putting in on that side of the fence, but we're, we're kind of seeing more now, even if half of it is Project Catalyst.
1: Hmm. Yeah, Yeah. I think they're actually, it seems like, uh, it seems like they're about to actually make the Mac a, a competitive workstation platform again. Another rumor out today, 16-inch MacBook Pro with a new keyboard shipping in September, which we'll see.
2: Now, how are we, I, I've been promised a new keyboard before. <laughs> So when we say new... Well, you know,
1: there was an interesting omission in a recent interview on uh, a podcast with uh, one of the uh, lead uh, engineers of the Mac Pro. And he said that the uh, current generation of MacBooks were designed and built before their new Pro services team that they, oh. that they worked with to design the iMac Pro and the Mac Pro, and that the MacBook Pro would have the same treatment, the entire line would have the same treatment as what, what the statement was.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Can you get the cheese grater form in that form factor?
1: Well, I think what they're going to do is they're going to come up with a super MacBook Pro, like a big 16-inch that justifies a completely different keyboard. So they'll keep maybe the keyboard on the current Uh MacBook Pro that they just updated.
0: But they'll have a super expensive workstation model for, you know, all the complainers out there.
2: Mm -hmm. So it's a $5,000 laptop is what that means. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we should all start a little savings jar somewhere.
1: Yeah, exactly. I don't think so. I think, actually, I'm pretty happy. I've I've come to a new thing, so I'm pretty happy. I know you guys have got a lot to talk about, though. That's not what we're here to talk
0: yeah, about Yeah, yeah. You know what? I would probably be running uh, on that. Well, we'll see. We'll get into that. It might be Kotlin, because that's my programming language challenge. Not quite of the week. But, you know, the one we're doing right now. Are
1: you doing them weekly now, really? I thought you kind of changed a little bit. Like, you're giving a little more room if it needs to really go deep, right? Yeah, we're alternating. So, Mike, yeah, alternating, you're, right. you're
0: looking at Go now. So, you'll, we'll talk about that in, at the next episode, which I'm really looking forward to. And you were looking at Kotlin. Yeah, I've had a little time to sit and play with Kotlin. Hmm. Yeah, if you're not familiar, it's developed by JetBrains and managed by, well, of course, the Kotlin Foundation, because everyone's got to have a foundation these days. It's interesting because... One version of the story for Kotlin could have been that it was this, like, niche little language, right? Lots of people try to make languages. Google made Dart, for instance, which seems somewhat comparable and and comes to mind. Most languages don't go anywhere. Now, JetBrains has some advantages in that they make some of the best software development tools in the business, so they they clearly know a lot about, you know, you have to get in your hooks into these languages if you're going to make a nice IDE. So you learn a lot about how that all works and maybe how to put one together. It's just, it's been very impressive that Kotlin has become so popular so fast and like in particular with google adopting it as you know language de jure on android for me i came from a lot more dynamic languages before and I'd, I'd done a little bit of some of the statically typed languages like like ml in way in the past when i was you know learning computer computer science and i hadn't dabbled that much in java i came to java late in life and i'll be honest it was kind of painful mike i'm sure you can sympathize with that oh yeah oof so how did you how did you work your way through it? I mean, mostly I just sort of avoided it and used it where I could. But it is useful, right? I mean, the JVM is a fantastic platform to run on top of, and there's world class libraries out there for Java. So you, you need to, you you need or at least will want to to sort of use those things.
1: But things seem like they really changed kind of recently when the situation between Oracle and Google heated up.
0: Yeah, that is that's a complicating factor. That's for sure. Um, Oracle, yeah. Oh boy, Oracle.
1: <laughs> yeah, it seems like that that head to head battle sort of, sort of start. You saw the you saw you saw more and more Android developers start to look at Kotlin, and Google Google itself would start to uh, talk about Kotlin more. And if I if I understand, and I really don't, but the the little bit that I do seem to understand is that Kotlin has a pretty similar syntax and concept from a lot of popular languages, so it's not a not a
0: huge transition. You no, know, that's what's nice. is to me it. It's been a breath of fresh air. So it's not going to be like my go-to language. I still really like some of the more functional things. Not that you, we can talk more. You can do functional programming in, in Kotlin. It's just not, you know, super aimed towards it like something like Haskell or Clojure is. But I didn't, you know, I never really enjoyed Java. You can make Java work really well. You can do whatever you want. It's a very powerful language. I just find it not a lot of fun to write and doesn't really inspire me to want to use it. But you often need to use it places either for performance or just as bindings to hook into stuff that you libraries that you want to use, or you're interopting with people who use Java. And Kotlin seems incredible there. Now you could use something like Scala maybe or Clojure. But Kotlin's interopability with Java is really just first class. And when you're not doing interrupt, it's just like Java plus plus. So if you're if you're creating a Kotlin app or whatever,
1: is it running in a Kotlin runtime or the JVM? Is it a
0: binary app? Is it a, is it? Yeah. So it just co- compiles down to JVM bytecode.
2: It, it can actually uh, you can actually do both. So there is a thing called Kotlin Native, where you can straight up compile down to native code. Oh, okay. But ninety nine percent it's the JVM. Yeah. So that's the that's the main use case that you see, or for stuff like running on Android, which is similar but a slightly different. And there is a weird uh there is a weird JavaScript uh transpiling thing. I've never done that, but you know, everything has to transpile to JavaScript now, so well, why not Kotlin? Yeah.
0: <laughs> that does seem to be the theme so far of these challenges. So the thing about JavaScript is it you can't avoid it, right? Unless you only do back end work for some, some service that, you know, connects other backend services. Okay, maybe you're in that narrow field that you've escaped it. But if you do anything <laughs> on the web, like, you just have to use JavaScript, right? And JavaScript, it's getting better, but it's still painful and inconsistent. Now, I don't, having just come from TypeScript, I didn't play a ton with, with the JS side of Kotlin, although I, I did get it up and running and sort of poked around a little bit. I don't know that I would necessarily choose that over TypeScript just because TypeScript seems to be... So popular in the JavaScript community, and you get a lot of the same same benefits there if you, if you enable those options. Now you get them in Kotlin by default. Like I love the way Kotlin handles like null null types, non null types, that sort of stuff. You know the way you think about it without it's Just in some languages, you add it on with like a monad, like like maybe or, or either, and you see it everywhere in your code, and that can be nice mm. because it is very explicit, right? You are thinking about like what's the failure case here? Is this an error? Colin, it, because they've sort of designed it and lowered it into the fabric of the language explicitly, it just feels a little bit more ergonomic, and you kind of forget about it a little bit more. We've talked a little bit, they're bringing some of those, like you say, it's it's fr- it, they're importing these features from other popular languages, and then other languages are, are copying them. So it's kind of an um, interesting way to reflect on language design as well, because JetBrains has been looking around studying what's been popular in the industry, and there's been a lot of attempts at this stuff. Like, Scala seems like a good example, where it's a little bit more of a research language, right? D- d- mm. d- designed and developed by a lot of academics, and it's it's a- absolutely a production language.
1: Right, but where Kotlin seems like it's very much on the other
0: end of that spectrum. It's very much inspired by this Java, sort of just like robust, professional, no-nonsense We're not going to be that flashy.
1: Right. Our sales pitch isn't that we're some sort of unique, innovative language. It's more like, well, it's really pragmatic. It draws on inspirations from decades of things that have worked, which I think is part of what's made it easily adoptable. I I think, Mike, you saw this one coming a mile
2: away. Yeah. I mean, Kotlin, even before um, Android adopted it, or rather Google adopted it for Android, um, just... I, mean, I think at the time when when I first saw this come out, I was working on a very large scale uh Java play application, and the interoperability that Kotlin provided even in its early days um, just basically being a cleaner and frankly somewhat less verbose Java, that could still pull in the client's existing uh jars and you know so jars or Java libraries right. Um, and completely you know, pulling great old dependencies just like your straight Java was really nice. Now, having said that, things have changed. That was years ago. Um, I, I have to agree with Wes that Kotlin maybe wouldn't be my first choice anymore. I'd probably try something a little more functional. For me, that'd probably look more like an F-sharp. <laughs> um, but I, I have to say, given the choice, like if I was targeting the JVM again, I would probably... Be hard pressed not to pick Kotlin, right? I would be pretty, pretty enthusiastic about Kotlin over um, straight Java. And, and some of the irony here is the JDK eleven has a, is adopting many of the features of Kotlin, right? So like right. stuff stuff yeah. that they had in their compiler will now be
0: supported in the host, or at least one of their hosts. That is interesting. It does seem like a good choice too, you know, if you're not going to go pursue some of the more esoteric or functional, you know, if, if you have a team and everyone wants to go do Scala and you're excited about Scala Z and some of the neat stuff in that community, cool. But if you just sort of want a better Java, you want some improvements, a little modernization, really nice IDE support. Yeah, Colin seems like a good choice. I'm,
1: I'm curious what your process like was here. Did you, uh, did you try standing up a few things? Did you do you look at examples? Like, what's
0: your exploratory? Um, I usually start by following sort of whatever the most official-looking documentation is, just to try to get a sense of like what's the onboarding path for some some random person coming from the sure, internet, just yeah, curious yeah. about the language. It's good. It's good thinking. Yeah, uh, and in this case, I um, it'd been a while since I'd used IntelliJ, uh, so I got I got that going. I know there's some integrations, like they have a sub- Sublime Text, and um, I mm. did play around with it, just just kind of using it minimal style in the terminal with with Vim. But it seemed proper coming from JetBrains. I should use it in its it's sort of home environment. So mm. that was an interesting part, too, just because I don't, I'm not, I mean, I appreciate all the neat features of IDEs. And I think, especially for some of the uh, languages in the Kotlin and Scala and Java style, like those IDEs are great. Yeah, it's just not really where you, you live every day, though. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that was kind of fun being on it's that side lot, of the though. fence. Yeah. It's nice. And it is, I mean, you know, autocomplete and yeah. generating code for you. And yeah. it's an interesting alternative style uh-huh. of development. Uh-huh. But it is in the spirit of, you know, fast feedback cycles and giving you information and helping you understand. And instead of a running program, it's a static thing. But it feels incredibly dynamic because they're doing so much to interrupt and interrogate with the code. Get development environment set up. And then I usually start with just some like simple academic challenges. I've been doing the advent of code because I like they're not purely, you know, it's not just like a sorting algorithm or something something like that. It's a little bit of novelty and some like data loading and processing. Yeah. So you have to start doing some stuff. Like you want to start, you know, looking at I.O., looking at networking. Sure. Trying to understand like how's the concurrency work yeah. In this Yeah, well language. when you think about
1: the scope of it, it's a lot of things to touch on.
0: You might also want to start, you know, maybe you want to, depending on the type of language, maybe you want to try to get like a web stack up and going. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I didn't I didn't do that this time. But it, right, that's a good one yeah. Um, yeah. to start to play with and see, all right, what's the, um, you know, connections to the databases. Like. Now, that's easier here because I was just using the JPM, and that was an environment I was already familiar with. So most mm. of the stuff I was interested in was some of the compiler, type safety, all the little extras that Kotlin's thrown on top. It has been fun. Um, I, While well, I was doing some research, I'll have a link in the, in the doc, of course, coder.show slash 363. There's a um, Clojure IDE called Cursive, and it's, a, it's like a plug-in wrapper sits on top of IntelliJ, Clojure is a little harder because it is a very dynamic language. So you can't do, or it's more difficult to do, a lot of the static analysis that you can do for languages like Kotlin. It's also a little bit heavier, or at least has a has more runtime, more dynamic nature. So can't, it can't can't always, or isn't as easy to optimize in certain cases. Originally, this this IDE for Clojure was written mostly in Clojure, but the developer has recently changed a whole bunch of its core to Kotlin so that he could get better startup times, and <laughs> he just thought that the interoperability with having to, you know, you have to hook into a bunch of Java because that's what IntelliJ is based on, thought that was more pleasant. So it seems like that's exactly the use case I was thinking of. I wouldn't maybe design my whole data flow pipeline of architecture of my program and choose Kotlin, but all the little pieces where I got to touch systems or a little hot loop instead of Java, why not Kotlin? Hmm. I think that's the theme of my review. Why not, why not,
1: Kotlin? That? That's pretty good. That's actually kind of a title right there. <laughs> good one. <laughs> nice. So now it's go time.
2: Now it's go time. Yeah. So now it's go time. But are you ready for your challenge for two weeks from now? Ooh, oh, I am excited already. All right. All right. So so you you, you you've taken the journey. You, you you've held hands with Java Duke, and if you get that reference, you're old. Um. And now, you knew this was coming. Objective C.
1: Oh! No way!
2: You're throwing the gauntlet down, aren't you?
1: Wow. I'm actually... I mean, part of me thought it was going to be the first one he chose, so I'm kind of surprised it took this long.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> okay, Um, I need a little help here, then. Can can I get, like... Um, Maybe some suggested first steps. Like, what's the, what, what would you like to make sure that I, what shouldn't I miss when I'm trying Objective C? And maybe how do I get started? Because
2: there's a lot here for Mike. So, yeah, there's a lot here, right? And, and, you know, to make it easier, just do a GNU step, the, the Linux implementation. So you don't have to like worry about Mac VMs or. Oh, well, that's nice of you. That is nice. Right. I mean, if you want to set up a Mac VM, you can, but by the time you do that, it's a huge pain in the ass.
1: <laughs> the next version of Swift will be out.
2: <laughs> yeah. it's. I would say take a look at GNU Step and try to write any kind of small application. It could literally do, I don't care, it could do nothing, right? But do it using pure message passing as much as possible.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. okay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Right. So take advantage of the dynamic messaging that Objective-C has. So like you could, you could just write C, right? Cause it's a superset of C. Of course. Right. You could also write in a very C++-y style. Try not to do that. I mean, you'll have to some, but yeah, try to do a lot of the dynamic messaging and see what it feels like to not have the compiler protect you.
0: <laughs> just uh, sort of pass messages around and uh, deal with it. Okay. Just pass them around. That's it. Yeah, I'm, oh
2: man, I cannot wait to hear how this goes. This is okay, this will be good. I'm gonna have to get started right away. And I just linked new Step in the chat. And I tell you, Wes, this looks this project looks like it's well maintained. Real, mm.
0: <laughs> oh, it's, it's so this a, might be g- as much a GNU Step report as anything else. Oh
1: huh? man, look at that, that takes me back. Look at that user experience there. We got to put this in the show notes so the audience can take a look at this.
2: This is too good, and this is of course more of a trolley one. So if it ends up just being a pain, whatever. We can we can all have a good laugh.
0: No, this is a, this is a great choice, and you know it comes up so much. It's so much a part of the Coder Radio heritage. I gotta. I need to.
2: This is my journey to explore
0: Objective C. You're brave man, Wes.
2: Wait a minute. Wait a minute. News about Objective C two This is going to be amazing, Wes. I, I'm not entirely sure when the last time this project was maintained is.
1: <laughs> uh, it may be easier to get a mac vm going
2: <laughs> i think some of the listeners did they were talking about it in the uh in the telegram
1: so hmm i'm pretty close i still haven't cracked it but i'm really oh, close yeah
2: you're working
0: on that
1: yeah i'm really close
0: you are you know you you have hackintosh experience yeah Although got, i do
1: too it's funny i got the gpu working that wasn't the hard part it turns out the hard part has been getting the usb pass through to work so my uh my uh My Mac VM detects my Ethernet cards, but never gets an IP. And like Uh. my mouse and keyboard aren't working too well. Like something's not quite right. But it works fine under Windows.
0: So So it's not it's not the underlying scheme. It's something I think so. Hard to say though. And OS Mac OS. Excuse me. Excuse me. It's such a black box. I mean it's kind of fun to play with and poke with because you don't know what's going on, but
1: I, I As much as I respect what Apple has done with macOS, when you do the Hackintosh or the VM route, you do kind of see under the hood a little bit. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, it's just it's just like every other OS. There's, just, sub, there's
0: subsystems that are like thought out, up yes, to date, right? They yeah, put a lot yeah. of time and tooling into it. That's the
1: parts I respect the most,
0: especially as a media production person. I, yes.
1: I can really respect that. Core you know. audio mm-hmm. and... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And then other parts, you're like, oh, and then you just, you had some twine left over from the nice thing, and yeah. you use that to wrap up the rest into a pseudo-Posix implementation. Yeah, a lot, actually.
1: It's a lot like that. Um, but, you know, it works, right, on their on their targeted hardware. It I mean, totally does. In their, in their problem domain, they've got it figured out, and that's what matters. They're not solving for me. <laughs> Are we ever going to see a server again? No. Well, the no, actually, I think they, I think... Um, yeah, didn't they? And Well, they just announced like a SKU of the Mac Pro that's designed for rack mount. You're right there. Yeah. That's pretty close. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So it'll have like, I think instead of like uh, handles and wheels, it'll have like rail mounts. That'd be pretty, that'd actually look pretty slick. Not bad. I mean, and you know, I guess $5,000 for the starting price of a server isn't
0: outrageous. Right. Once you put it in that context, it's kind of like, okay. It's just like my real fancy little weird GPU compute cluster
2: mm-hmm. that looks pretty. mm <laughs> I mean, you know, if you have a nice aesthetic, you've shown it off. I, I think that case is ugly as hell, but we should move on to real time follow up here. Apparently, you can apt install GNU Step. Lucky you.
1: <laughs> Give that a try there, west Try it right now. <laughs> See what See happens. What happens. He's, got his,
2: bra-
0: he's got his ThinkPad right here. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Yeah. All right. Hitting yes. 64 <laughs> megabytes coming on down.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's all it is, baby. GNU Step and GNU Step TAC DeVal. Those are the two. I love it. I'm excited. Thank you, Mike. I hope you like square brackets. I love all kinds of brackets. I'm not a. I don't choose between my
0: brackets. I mean, I think curly is, curly is my favorite because oh. yeah, it's just really fun, like on a whiteboard to draw. A, you know, here to just really Ooh, pretty curly brace. It, no,
1: it intimidates me to try to draw a curly bracket on a whiteboard. Yeah, it's nice.
2: I can't, I can't draw a curly brace.
1: I always feel like an idiot. So uh, I had I had kind of a topic that uh, caught my attention. It was it was actually brought up by Mike in our uh, in our Slack chat.
0: Yeah, like so Mike brought it up and then you sort of. We're sucked into a rabbit hole. I'm pretty sure.
1: As I do, mm-hmm. as I do. Um, something I noticed when I when I went independent with Jupiter Broadcasting, um, I thought to myself originally, I'll convert this into what I called a lifestyle business, and I'll just run it as a small little business that um, makes enough living for myself and you know a few employees. And that was a beautiful dream that was absolutely impossible. Um, when you look at the hustle-as-a-service culture that we now live in, it was never really going to be sustainable. And there is this pride that has developed in Western culture, even worse in the United States, that uh, Alexis Ohanian, the investor and guy behind uh, Reddit now, really nailed in an interview that Mike found on Wall Street Journal. And I'll just read um, part of his opening statement here. He says, I've spoken out quite a bit about things like hustle porn and the ceremony of showing off on social media about how hard you're working. You see, you all see it on Instagram and you certainly see it in the startup community. It becomes really toxic. And this became like amazingly poignant just this week when over the weekend there was this massive kerfuffle about Ubuntu potentially dropping 32-bit or i386 support in 1910, Ubuntu.
0: Oh, boy! My
1: 32 bits? That was, that was announced last Tuesday. It's actually... We have all the links in Linux Action News. It's actually been in discussion roughly since May 4th, 2018. And I have followed the discussion since then. We've covered it in a couple of our shows, actually. But on Tuesday, Will Cook, the desktop manager for Ubuntu, announced that they were officially going to deprecate support for the i386 architecture. That was on Tuesday. On Friday, a Valve developer noticed. <laughs> I guess he wasn't following it super close, but kind of close. Yeah, he g- checked in, you know. <laughs> and uh, he immediately tweeted that, uh, hey, you know, going to have to drop support for Ubuntu. This just wrecks gaming. We're out. Not necessarily a Valve position, but this staffer's position, uh, who is responsible, part of the t- on the part of the team, so he likely has pretty big input, or maybe not. Maybe he even has, t- who knows. Right. But, right, but it's not an official Valve communication. But from that tweet, the internet sort of erupted as it does. Like half a dozen articles went live in a matter of hours. Uh, a change.org petition was created to uh, force. That's the real sign, right? Yeah, demand that Ubuntu include 32-bit support. And Canonical, Canonical responded. You know, considering that this thing broke Saturday morning their time, they responded by Sunday morning uh, my time, which is Pacific. So that's a decent turnaround, uh-huh. right? The internet was not satisfied. Once the primary thing they were upset about had been solved, they now had to continue to justify the outrage. Well, once you're spun
0: up, you're just all, you're just all in a huff.
1: And you need, to, you need to, you know, there has to be rationale. There has to be rationale. Uh, and so the message changed to, well, you didn't communicate it properly. This broke on a Friday, U.S. time, and it took you until Sunday to say anything. Like, why aren't you working 24-7? You're a multinational company with hundreds of employees. Why don't you have, this is, quote, why don't you have decision makers working 24-7 to handle these things, end quote. And I saw a variation of that every couple of hours all weekend long, including up until as we've went on air right now.
2: To handle Twitter rage? That's no.
1: Right. Yes. That That is the expectation. Why aren't you here answering us? And it builds so fast, like m- multiple articles get posted, mobs form on Twitter. I mean, we watched this as a crew. We were all kind of it was really kind of neat. we were monitoring all these various sources. And so we were really watching this thing from a complete 360 degrees. And it was it was it was fascinating to watch these mobs form and these different these different posts would go alive, and then you would see the out—you would just see like a big spike in the social media reaction in the comments, and right, yeah, different people follow different outlets, and they're suddenly, what's happening? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and it was all kind of like, even if, say, just for the sake of this entire kerfuffle, say, canonical stuck to their guns and said, nope, dropped. We're going the route of Catalina in Ubuntu 1910. We are not going to maintain the I-36 architecture. We're done. Now, we'll still maintain it for years in 1804 and 1604. So you could probably just grab it from there or grab a PPA or a snap or a flat. Like there was always going to be a solution to this problem. It was never going to be a disaster, but it went to 11. And then what I thought was fascinating is this demand of an immediate response. And it really enforces this culture we have now entered where if you have a job that's on the internet, you work twenty four seven. Uh and we're we it happens to us here. Um part because it's it's both hobby and profession, but it really is like we have people all over the world. Joe's essentially shifted to our time zone. Like it's really it really is a big problem and it it is a massive contributor to burnout. A significant contributor to burnout. That's where I wanted to get your thoughts, Mike
2: yeah I mean, so there's a couple things here. like one, I maybe I am just confused, but my understanding is like this is actually not that big of a deal.
1: No, this particular example is not no
2: right The technical problem here is is again solved with the PPA. but and I think the Linux action use coverage was much deeper and better. And if you're a curious, listener, go there. Um, but yeah, I mean we get this all I get this all the time. Uh, Chris and I have uh, kvetched on many a slack conversation about just constant like basically death marching right um and i have to tell you chris this is my experience people generally don't appreciate it even if you do pull the all-nighter to get that build out or you know in the case of kind of the twitter rage stuff i've had people tweet a question to me and i didn't respond in an hour because i was like you know doing my job right and get like three, three follow on tweets, right? Or like emails, it's, it's just the expectations have gotten crazy from, I remember way back when in my time machine, before like social media and Twitter, you would send someone an email, and they might not reply until the next business day. And that was totally normal. It's interesting, right? Because it is, I mean, it kind of speaks to it there. It's all about expectations. And
0: we're just so bad at being explicit about that and managing them and once you've got these devices always on with you you can check all the time we're just not good at i think that's a bit of it yeah it's
1: definitely like it's hard to set firm boundaries about like hey uh 7 p.m till morning is my family time that's that's a hard thing to not especially as a man because it seems sort of like not a common thing to ask for like and the challenge here is the whole team knows we all have smartphones your boss knows you got a smartphone. Like Everybody knows you've got an always-on device that's getting these notifications. So if you're not reading it, you're opting not to read it. And some bosses don't respond very well to that. You know, there are situations where that's not – there's cultures where that's not acceptable. And I think it's really common.
2: Yeah, It's, it's interesting, though, um, from the Reddit co-founder's comments here, I, particularly about the I, – there's one line that I put out in our doc. All of us who decide to start a company, were kind of broken as people. Which, wow. A little obsessed might be, yeah, you could. another way to put it is you're a little obsessed with something. Yeah, well, I mean, I think you know this too, right? You're driving forward and forward and forward, and your competition is not standing still.
1: Yeah, there's competition. There's also um, just general adapting to the market constantly, especially when you're dealing with a business that's online. It's incredible how fast things change
2: now. Especially for the podcast market. Podcasts are just growing like crazy. Well, there's that new one where you have to subscribe, right? And they've got like Bethany McLean. Like there's some crazy stuff going on in the podcasting world.
1: Oh, you're going to get all kinds of things, especially with Spotify and Gimlet and a lot going on there. There's going, to, there's going to be subscriptions and premium content. It's going to be just like Netflix. It's yeah. everyone wants a slice. Oh, that's not happening for us. We're always going to be free. The feed's always going to be easy to find. That's going to be our thing. But, um, I have not learned my lesson here and this is really hard for me to admit because this is super serious. It is literally like something if I don't figure out, I'm eventually going to kill myself and it's really humbling to admit that I'm too dumb to figure it out. Like I just, I'm just getting over another physical ailment that knocked me on my ass again and it ironically affected me exactly in the way that the recovery of the last one did, where my my range of motion is limited i I can't get out of bed, I can't lift the children, I can't pick heavy up I can't pick pick up heavy objects. That's like that's living your life right there, right I yeah, uh, and it was exactly the same thing when I was recovering from the ruptured appendix, and it's something happens, and I don't take the warning signs and i I just assume it's gonna be okay, and I just keep pushing forward. And even even when I know, okay, this is your off ramp right here, I I don't take it, and I keep going until I'm until I am physically impaired, until I until some sort of physical, I I just won't stop. I will just keep taking it on more stress and more things until some sort of physical ailment. You're forced. I mean, you me have out. no choice but to stop. Yeah, it's a hard wall. That's how. I mean, you're just going to kill yourself doing that. And I thought when I ended up in the hospital last September. And I spent a hospital bill of $200,000 and seven days in the hospital. I thought, okay, well, I guess I finally learned my lesson. I had to learn it the hard way. And then here I am again. And I just, uh,
0: I just can't believe, I can't believe I let myself do it again. I wonder if part of, have you been conditioned? I mean, before, right, you were running and managing this whole business. And Mm -hmm. so it it Mm -hmm. was, I mean, just seeing you at that time it was you you were never off right the you had stuff to think about and worry and shows to plan and you couldn't stop you needed to keep going i
1: think it's also i think it's a symptom of i haven't fully built like a lever i can pull where i can just be like hey guys i'm out for like five days and everything just continues because there's a few shows that's like okay well now we have to kind of scramble to figure out how to get content for and stuff like that that i'm still producing like lup it's because it's kind of like my the main show i do now um and if I'm gone, like, how do you how do what do we do with that? Like, we don't have we a still solution. haven't figured that out. Yeah. <sighs> and I there's other things. There's just other. I have other responsibilities now. Um, it's a challenge. It's a real challenge. And I I don't know what I'm gonna. Do. I just I've got to learn this lesson. So learn from my mistakes, people. I think too. It's like we're subject to the fact that there's a lot of people who are. Sort of posturing online, they'll posture as this, uh, and uh, O'Hanian uh, t- touches on this too. They'll posture on all these things that glorify absurd things, like, "Oh, I'm you know I'm, I stay up, I stay awake at night worrying about this particular problem." You'll hear government officials say that all the time, or you'll hear about people that are burning the candle at both ends and they're proud of it. Like, I got this out because I don't sleep. You know, like I don't sleep. That's such a uh, you know a line of pride for so many people. And the irony is, is like, it's such a short term game. And I am learning that so hard now as I get to my mid to late 30s. I'm learning that like, yeah, it really is true. Like there is a limited time you can just cash that check against your body. And it really like that debt really does come due. And the fact that our culture glorifies this posturing about staying up all night and underplace things like self-awareness and self-care and nutrition is the real problem here. And I don't see it changing anytime soon unless somebody gets on the microphone and says, this is a real thing that somebody who didn't pay attention to this is now at the other end of it saying, you better pay attention to this stuff.
2: Yeah, the same thing. I mean, you remember, Chris, when we were doing the show um, four years ago in 2015. I took a heart attack from this, right? And, and So this is like, I'm currently got some sort of sickness, but like sinus infection of some weird kind. But still working 14 hours a day because, yeah, it's at some point, I think it's almost like becomes like a crazy addiction of like you feel like you can't stop. Because if you stop, you know, you first of all, I I think it's easy to set up bad expectations with like customers and in your case, audiences, um, you know, clients, things like that, where. So, you know, sometimes things are just going to be late, right? Sometimes you don't need to have three status meetings in a week. Um, I don't know. I, I constantly go back to uh, Bell Labs invented Unix and the C programming language, working nine to five with generous martini lunches, right? Hmm. And somehow we can't build stupid little mobile apps without killing ourselves, right? And we don't even pay attention to the science, right? We just, It's the culture and
0: the the surface level appearances, even when you know there's plenty of plenty of good science and reasoning to suggest that we should manage ourselves a little better than that and play for the long haul right so that you can be more productive get more done instead of being constantly burnt out and slow because you haven't slept and can't think straight
1: mm-hmm. yeah 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 it's funny i i really think so much better i uh, i was doing some projects over the weekend and uh i've i've probably set up a mount in fs tab a thousand times, thousands, right? Yeah, and but the all three kids were in my office, and they were all making different noises. They weren't even really talking; they were just making noises, and their iPads were making noises. It took me fifteen minutes to like figure out what I was doing wrong. I had to read this line a dozen times, and then they, I finally said, "Hey guys, would you mind playing in the other room for a minute?" And when they left, and it got quiet, and I closed my eyes, and I, and I look at it again. Oh, geez, really? God, this is it. Oh, it's not under that folder. It's one folder up. Damn, so stupid, simple. Chris. Yeah. It really, I'm like, a, I have a totally different brain capacity sometimes and sleep plays a big part. Rest. I was just talking with our buddy, Alex, uh, who's out often on the Friday stream and Linux unplugged. He's an employee at red hat. And, uh, as part of that, you know, they get a little vacay and he took it and he just got done doing a road trip, um, through like uh, Yellowstone and whatnot. And he said to me that, uh, about, uh, about three or four days into being there where they didn't have any connectivity and he was just genuinely disconnected from work. um, That he started sleeping better.
0: Right, takes a couple days. You gotta really get out of the habit once you realize, well, I can't, there's no point pulling my phone out because I I can't check anything.
1: Yeah, he also said he was more focused and uh, felt a little more creative when editing photos because he just sort of, not only was it the lack of distractions, but it was like the accumulative effect of multiple days of lack of distraction and uh, stress. Sounds like a fun experiment. But meetup is meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting is, um, if you haven't checked it out, is a page we set up a bunch of different uh, study group sessions, and one that we have coming up pretty soon is really on point. Meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting.
0: Understanding burnout. Yeah, this is going to be, I'm really looking forward to this. And so uh, when is that? Uh, That is tomorrow before Linux unplugged, 12.30
1: p.m. So it could be, if you're getting this on the day this came out, it could be like right around there. Meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. Because we have that. And then when we will and when we do post the video version of it, we'll update that meetup page. So even if you can't make it to the meetup, you could stay up to date by following it. And then down the road, we're going to do a security um, presentation by I think it's a Symantec employee.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, Explaining
1: some of their threat report internet studies. And then after that, we're doing a five-part series. At least that's the plan right now on aws oh there's a lot to cover there Mm -hmm. yeah and we have a really 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 sharp individual who's helping us put it together and we're doing some new stuff new presentation style it's really gonna be good we just put it all out there for free so it might not all go on the channel though. So you'll want to stay tuned for that. Mixing that up. Yeah. But you can get all the up. past ones
0: over on our regular Jupiter broadcasting channel.
1: Yes. I feel like though, the one thing that's a little different about this whole go around that is, I feel like the silver lining of my most recent like issues is I'm much more aware of the process and I'm able to keep tabs. I'm like, Oh, now I'm at this level and I'm not freaking out about it. I'm not str but I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm getting, I'm doing this again. Like I'm, I'm just, um, I'm staying uh, what's, what, what do you call it? Um, you know I'm just staying observant really of right. the process. Yeah, you're aware of
0: what you're thinking. Sure you're you know, you're not gonna fix everything straight away, but you're at least thinking about and you're aware that this could happen. I feel like it's a form of mindfulness that
1: sort right. of reduces the stress of it a little bit. So and I like I feel like because I've been through this I kind of have a plan to off-ramp uh, next week. I'm, I'm going to go on a road trip from Texas to Washington. And I think that'll be a nice uh, chance to unwind. I won't do any shows. I'll just, me and the lady will drive across country. It'll be a, it'll be a fast, hard drive. Open road? Yeah. Something a little different.
0: Out oh, no way. Oh, that sounds great.
1: Some hot, hot weather. Drive with the windows down. I think it'll be fine. So I'll be, I'll be all right. See, I, like, I've, I've planned my off-ramps. Like, I know myself now, and I think I know how to correct it before it becomes major bad. But I, uh, I let it
0: go for too long. It's easy to do. I mean, there's a lot to do. And it's, I mean, I think it's especially hard when you care about what you do, right? Because you're, you're extra driven mm-hmm. and you can't, can't turn it off. Yeah, that's true. You don't, it doesn't turn off. It don't turn off. Do you have any, you have any tips, Mike, when you, when you need to find your off ramp? Or do you do any um, communicating around, you know, e- communication expectations or any of that with
2: people you work with? Yeah, I, I try to like, well, I'm trying now to run better processes that basically don't have hard dates that are going to be impossible, particularly when you have dependencies on either other vendors or you know the customer. That's a big deal, right, Stuff That's kind of out of your control. Any listeners who are feeling burned out and want to offload some .NET or mobile development, call the Mad Botter. Heyo! What's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, go to TheMadBotter.com. dot
1: that could be a great way if somebody's struggling with a project. Why not hire Mike and Yeah, his let team Mike to do, do it. it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they
2: know what they're doing. And if you love F-Sharp. Yeah. Oh, what
0: now? <laughs> all the latest and greatest functional techniques to make sure you get your project quickly and probably on time. If you're looking for just a good time, by the way, oh, call 1-8... No, I'm serious.
1: No, actually. No, check out the Friday stream. I thought it was 1-9. No, <laughs> it is now. Check out the Friday stream, fridaystream.com. Uh, the one good thing about Mondays is the Friday streams published. We stream it live on Fridays, except for this Friday. And then we publish it on Mondays. And you you went up against Drew, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, Drew and I. Uh, to compete for a game for an audience member. And I don't want to say who won, but let's just say there's a lot on the line. There was a lot on the line. Oh, man. Wes had lost a previous one.
0: Ooh. I had my honor and self-respect on the line.
1: Yeah. And if you're looking for a new gig, maybe where you're working at right now is burning you out. Linux Academy is hiring. You can go to jobs.lever.co slash Linux Academy, or just go to linuxacademy.com. And they got a careers link way down on the bottom And of the page. we'll have it on the show notes, too. That's true. So. We'll have a link in the show notes. Great pay, benefits. You get to work remotely.
0: And you get to hang out with us. Like, we're at the end of this week, we're going to a big old company event. Come hang out with Wes and I. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, I mean, you know, you get to work on a pretty cool platform that helps people learn stuff. That's
2: so. true. There
1: are worse things to do. Yeah, and uh, it's, a, it's a cool platform, too. So
0: check it out. That's over in the show notes, as Wes pointed out. Oh, yeah. And, well, if you want more Coder Radio, we've got the whole backlog, show. You can find this particular episode, number 363, right there, too, and all the rest. You want a whole bunch of other great shows, some of them with Chris? Well, jupiterbroadcasting.com has all of that and links to just about everything else, including the calendar page. That's where you can find out when we're here live. We do this show every week, just about. 12 p.m. Pacific. And the magic of Google and the internet, well, it'll tell you whatever that is in your time zone of choice. If that's still not enough content, well, you can also find us on Twitter. I'm at Wes Payne. Mike, you're at Dibanuko.
1: And Chris, I'm at Chris L A S.
0: Yes, you are. We've also got a network account at Jupiter Signal. Thank you all for joining us. Come join us here live next week.